Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hey everyone, on this episode of Six Degrees with Mike McKenna, I'm joined by Tommy Soderstrom. Now I know I had to dig a bit in the archives to find Tommy and, and get a hold of him, but I tell you what, it was worth it. Some of the most legendary gear to ever play in the NHL, from the big helmet and cage combination to the Pro 90Z Heatons to the brown pads, all white, played with the Philadelphia Flyers, with the New York Islanders, played a lot of international for Team Sweden, and a few years back home as well. Here's Tommy the Gambler. Enjoy. Tommy, thanks so much for joining me today. Always talking shop with another goalie is really exciting. Yeah. Hello, Mike, and thanks for having me here. And if my English is not uh, the best one, it's because I haven't uh, spoken in a long time. But I'm going to try to do my best. So. It makes it endearing, man. People love that. The accent's yeah. always the best part of having somebody from a different place. Yeah. I remember that when I come over and uh, the girl said, uh, I love your accent, Tommy, when I was like... <laughs> Three, my first year when I come over, but um, yeah, I like to speak English when I, when I can. So you fell in love with America right away, then, right? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> no, I didn't, but uh, I like the girls though. But that's another story. And uh, but the best girls are the Swedish girls. I tell you that. Yeah, well, my no offense to the no offense to the American girls, but because I'm from Sweden and uh, that's the way it is. Yeah, and then I know when the when there was like the world championship in Sweden, I know the Canadian team and the American team, they loved the Swedish girls also. Yeah, that was I, always- I don't say any more than that. That was so disappointing for me that I never got a chance to do like world juniors or world championships. I was on the roster for the US team, asked to do it one year, and it was gonna be in Finland and Sweden. Okay. And my first daughter was set to be born right in the middle of the tournament. And I oh. chose not to go. Because I didn't want to be yeah. in Europe and miss her birth. And that was my one opportunity that I missed out on. Yeah, okay. How old was you then? I was in my 30s. So this was okay. kind of like last kick at the can if you're going to wear the yeah. jersey. And I had to pass on it, which was disappointing. Yeah. So You missed a lot because uh, all the players and people that love like uh, Stockholm when, there are, uh, when they play in Stockholm. It's a beautiful city. It's like yeah. uh, Vancouver, maybe. Uh, pretty much a lot of water downtown and stuff. So yeah, I've had so many Swedish yeah. teammates. It's always been bucket list for me to get over there. We're just getting warmed up with Tommy Soderstrom, but first the NFL season is in full swing. You might not be at the game this year, but you can still be in on the action at bet online from game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props. Bet online gives you more options to wager than any other place online. The online casino, it never closes. So head to betonline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, it's betonline.ag and sign up today. Here's more with Tommy Soderstrom. I want to dive back into your amateur career before you ever came to the U.S. Uh, you know, you had a really good World Juniors, played in Sweden for a little while, and then you're an 11th round pick of the Philadelphia Flyers, 214th overall. Yeah, you know, when they made, yeah, when they made that selection, did you expect... I'm going right to the NHL someday, or did you think, yeah, maybe it's, it's on the horizon. Maybe I'll get there. You know, what was your focus at the time? I was so surprised that I was uh, drafted in the first place. And I, I don't know when it was, maybe you have better uh, check on that than me. Was it 89? I got drafted or 90. I don't know. 
Well, it was so important that you don't remember the year. <laughs> it was 1990. Yeah, yeah, I know, but yeah, it was the 90? Okay. Yes. So let's see. Then I, I was like a second goalie in the Swedish league on a team, my team, Djurgården, uh, the season 89 to 90. And then the season 90 to 91, I, I become the starter uh, because the, the goalie I played with, before he was my big idol i i wrote i wrote him a letter when i was like 14 15 and i get uh answer from him and i get uh, a card uh idol card and uh so for me it was really really nice to play with my idol so first That's i played amazing. with my idol on uh, jurgården and then i played with him in uh, the national team uh, first in uh let's see the world championship 91 and then canada cup 91 Wow. So that was, uh, but he left the team after my, the season 89-90. So then I get to start. And uh, from that uh, on, yeah, my career uh, started to grow. So when you, when you were a young goalie growing up, were you idolizing Swedish goalies? Did you look across the pond to the NHL? You know, who were your heroes? What drew you to being a goaltender? Uh, my hero was uh, the, the guy I play with, Rolf Riedewald. And he played for Djurgården and he played for the national team. So uh, he was my only idol when I grew up. So I never look over uh, to America. And uh, I know that Pelle Limber was had been playing there. But I think he died like 86 or something, 87, I don't know. Uh, so my only idol was Rolf Riddewald. What made you want to be a goaltender? Actually, it was I was small and no uh, muscles, so uh, we play like street hockey on the, where I lived. And one of my friend's father was a coach for uh, the team where we lived. So he asked me the last uh, practice of the year, like, we just have one keeper on the team. Do you want to try it? So then I tried it and then I liked it. So I always been in net and uh, like I said, small guy, no muscles. Just put me in that. I like that. So it was one of, it wasn't, some guys, it's just like equipment. Some people, they weren't great skaters for you. It was just, hey, I get a chance to play. Yeah, pretty much. And uh, I liked it from the get-go. It was, uh, it fit me and my style, I guess. So, uh, yeah. I mean, you were a pretty acrobatic goaltender. Did you play other sports growing up? I played soccer. And then I played uh, golf. But uh, I don't know if you golf counts like uh, sports when you're young. I don't know. That's hand-eye. It all plays into being a goaltender. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so you touched on Canada Cup really quick. And I look yeah. at that in 1991. That seems like it may have been a turning point in your career. Maybe that led to, you know, some of the future success you had in the NHL. Uh, first, what was that tournament like? And then second, you took a huge slap shot to the face. Steve Larmer yeah. winds up a clapper that dents your mask. You're bleeding and you keep playing. What are your memories yeah. from that tournament? Uh, it's like you said, I think that's why uh, Philadelphia wants me to come over after that season. Even if this was like in uh, August or September, I guess. But uh, we played, I played with uh, the national team 91 in the let's see in the autumn no, not autumn in the spring and we won the world championship but i was just the second or third goalie there and uh, then we come to the canada cup in the autumn and uh, we played uh, 
I think I played two or three games before this game, Steve Larmer game. Uh, <laughs> That's and, what it's uh, known as to you is the Steve Larmer <laughs> game? Yeah, it was, yeah, the semifinals. But uh, it was a big, big shot. And like uh, you can see, I couldn't even blink. I was uh, falling like a, a bull. Uh, all the, but uh, and I have a picture of it when when the trainer I think is in or doctor and the Burya Salming is uh, standing by me and uh, so it's, it's uh, it was a great memory and I, for me it was good because if if he he should have hit me not on the cage hit the helmet instead I would be knocked out for the game yeah. so I was lucky there. So what did you do with the cage? Because it bent in. Yeah, the trainer, he just bent it out. He just hammered and it out. Bit, yeah, and I, I had uh, two black eyes the next day, and uh, my nose was hurting like hell. Did and it feel I like somebody punched nose. you? Yeah, it looked like that. So, uh, <laughs> so, so it looked like you'd been in a bar fight, but you'd actually been playing goalie in the Canada Cup. Yeah, yeah. And I, and I remember we were like two or three weeks in uh, Toronto. And we played like every third or fourth game. So it was like really like a vacation there. Uh, and the crowd was amazing in Toronto. And so I think we played two games against uh, Canada uh, in Toronto. So that was a big, big memory for me. And uh, like we talked before, my uh, roommate was uh, Tommy Albelin. So I think he was like, uh, uh, what do you say? When I was spoke, spoke to the press afterwards, he, he needed to, what do you say, inter... He had to translate uh, for you. Yeah, because I was so bad on English. <laughs> <laughs> well, Tommy's awesome, man. He was my assistant coach in the Devils organization. Love the guy. Uh, and you had some really, really famous teammates on that club, right? Uh, yeah, correct yeah. me if I'm wrong. Hawk and Lube was on that team. Is that right? Yeah, I guess so, yeah. Um, Matt Sundin. Yeah. Uh, Barry Salming, Matt Sundin. Uh, Ulf Samuelsson, Chell Samuelsson, uh, Thomas Sandstrom, yeah. uh, Mats Neslund. Uh, it was a lot of guys. Bengtoke Gustafsson, for, who played for Washington earlier. I played with so, both the Samuelsson kids that okay, are still playing yeah. now. So oh, okay. Out of that grouping of guys, who was the hardest to stop in practice? Who really caught your eye? Uh, I guess it was Mats and Dean even if he was so young then but uh, you know he shoot uh, the wrong way for uh, for the goalies not for right. you maybe but for me in america right-handed is normal okay yeah but uh, i think they are the toughest uh, shooters especially when it comes to breakaways yeah i had always tougher with uh, Mats and Dean guys and um, he had that uh, super long reach too eh like yeah, really tall had. long reach i'm sure he was probably deceptive in where he would release the puck from yeah, and he always took the puck over to the to his back end, and then just shut it up in the top roof. So he he was tough to stop. Yeah, well, you come over, and suddenly you're you're in North America. Philadelphia yeah. Flyers sign you, but before you can even play, correct me if my timeline's wrong on this. They discovered a heart condition that you had to have corrected and have several surgeries. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, that's correct. And uh, I come over after uh, the World Championship. Uh, I played the Olympics 92 in February. I was really bad. Uh, so I figured maybe they don't want to have me over. But they have 
they have seen me in the Canada Cup, and I think uh, that's more important because it's a small rink and all the guys we played there uh, was just big stars. And uh, then we, I played uh, the World Championship '92, and we won. And uh, I played really good that tournament. So uh, I come over in. Uh, but the thing why they signed me also was because they traded uh, Hextel to Quebec for Lindros. If you remember, right. in the big yeah, deal, so, yeah, in the big deal with the Peter For- the draft for Peter Forsberg and fifty million bucks, I guess. Yep. And so, so they just had one keeper, so then they signed me. Uh, so it was lucky for me. So actually, I've been traded for Hextel twice. Right, because it happened later with the Islanders too. <laughs> yes, yes. So I come over. And I figured, like, oh, I'm a pretty good goalie. I won the world championship. I won the national championship, and uh, oh, different stuff. And uh, when I come over, it was a total different game for me. I remember when I come over like a month before training camp because they asked me. So Bill Barber, he was shooting at me. If you remember that, uh, he was a big hero in Philly. Yep. He was shooting at me, just him and me alone, and. Uh, he shoot really hard, but he was old. So I figured, what the heck do they shoot this hard over here? But uh, And then we started training camp. And my first game in training camp was uh, against Quebec. And do you guess how many goals uh, I uh, let down? Well, I'm going to – I would like to guess zero. But no. I'm going to put the over-under at four. Oh, ten. <laughs> Double digits. Put the one before the zero. So after ten goals, they pulled me out of the game. And uh, – I remember, I think Matt Sundin did uh, score a couple of goals and they just pulled me when 10 minutes left of the game. So I was like, what the heck is this? 10 goals, my first uh, preseason games. But, uh, and then the second game, uh, I played against, I think, New Jersey or something. It was like down 1-4 after half the game. So I'm like, come on, do I suck really this bad? But then it ended one to four. But after that, I had my, uh, they figure out my heart condition. So uh, they didn't let me play. And then after uh, they said that I need to rest and then I'm going to have surgery for my heart. And so I needed, I could go back to Sweden for maybe a month or two. So my start of my NHL career was not really that good. Yeah, but the season but, went well after that once you finally came back. And yeah, it did. It did. I look at that I, roster. I look at the coaching staff. Bill Deneen, legendary coach. You had Ken Hitchcock as an assistant coach. I had him as a head in Dallas, and I can still hear him. I'm on the bench, and you got to get it deep, guys. I can hear him screaming. <laughs> did you hear that with him as an assistant coach? No, I never uh, I never have that uh, memories of him, but uh... – when I, after my surgeries, they just sent me down to Hershey. So I was in Hershey for maybe seven or eight games or something. And uh, they told me to get an apartment down there. So I, I get an apartment in Harrisburg. Yeah. It's like 20 it's minutes It's the capital away of Pennsylvania. Yeah, it is. I liked it. So I, I stayed at a place uh, called Old City Hall. And uh, actually, I, I looked that up once in a while when I missed America to see where I stayed at my first apartment. And uh, so I was there in Hershey for maybe a month. I don't know. But I liked it. The fans were great and the rink was so good. 
uh, old. It was an old barn, but uh, it was cool. It was you cool. were lucky to I go to one of the chocolate. best places in the American League. That's a, you're lucky to go to one of the best places in the American League. Hershey's an awesome place it to was, play. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it was awesome to play. But then I get called up because I think uh, Rossell, Dominic, get hurt or something. So I was up on the bench, and then I, I don't know if they sent me back, and then I come up again. So, and then I did my first game against uh, Pittsburgh. I think it was December 18th. See what I remember. And uh, they had Lemieux and they had Jagger. And I remember it was a big, big fight after 10 minutes in the first period. Uh, gloves was all over my zone. And, uh, but I think we lost the game 5-4 in uh, overtime or something like that. But after that, I started, I think that's some, uh, still some record because I started 22 straight games after my first rookie start. You were the and man. I figured, yeah, yeah, but uh, I figured that's not pretty, pretty common because you can maybe start one or two or three games and then you, the other guys start. But they let me start, I think it was 22 games. But uh, I know Bill Deneen, he liked me. Really. Must have. Yeah. So what was the difference that you found coming from European hockey to the North American rink? It was uh, like when the puck come in over the blue line, it's always like a scoring chance. Uh, so um, that's the big difference for a goaltender. But I like that because you get a lot of shots and, and we, were, we weren't the best team in Philly. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I saw a lot of action. I like that. You may not have been the best team, but look at some of the names in that roster. Mark Recchi, yeah, Brad no, Brindamore, Lind Eric Lindros, yeah. Kevin Deneen. Yes, yes, yes. We had uh, Mark Recchi. He was uh, such a nice guy, Mark Recchi. And uh, like you said, Kevin Deneen, uh, Brindamore, Lindros, Gary Galley, yeah. uh, stuff. So, yeah, we had a great team. But, we have a uh, lot of crossover there. Kevin Deneen coached me when I was in Portland in the American League, and I played with Mark Recchi in Tampa. Oh, did you? Okay. Yep, towards he's, the end of his career. He's such a nice guy. Yeah, he was awesome to me. And I was completely fish out of water in Tampa my first year. He was he was super cool. And I, I think he's a really, really underappreciated player. Even though he's in the Hall of Fame, people don't realize how good Mark Recchi was, I don't think. Didn't he score like 40, 50 goals a lot yeah. of seasons? Yeah, just like casually potted 50 goals. Yeah. Uh, uh, regularly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he was a great guy. And I remember he come to me like after some of the uh, the games and stuff. Then we, when we're going to practice, he said like, Tommy, take a day off. We, you need to rest because you've been playing us a lot. And I said, hey, I can't do that. That's, that looked really bad to do that. And he said, no, it's no problem. I tell the other guys that I told you to do so. So, yeah. <laughs> you, like said that, you said that you didn't have any muscles and you played with Rod Brindamore. Did he grab you yeah. and take you in the locker room and try to teach you the ways? <laughs> That's the guy. I've never seen a guy who's uh, well, uh, what do you say? Muscles and no fat on his body. He was such in good shape, that guy. And nice guy, nice guy also. And this was Lindros' first year. You know, yeah, he, he was. We come the same, same year. What was his it like to see him come in? Yeah, I mean, that was kind of a strange situation, right? With the whole draft and everything else. Did it seem like it was an easy transition for him coming into, into Philadelphia? I think so. It looked like that. And uh, he was a mature guy. And uh, even he, was he 18 or 19 or uh, something yeah, like that? Yeah, I think that? he was 18 right out of junior. Yeah. And he was, uh, he was a great player. 
and a nice person. And I play with his brother also in uh, in uh, on Islanders, but he didn't play many years though because all the injuries had to his head, Brett Lindros. Right. So. When you came across the pond, yeah, you were instantly recognizable. And I'm sure you know where I'm going with this because you had what looked like a space helmet on. The yeah, old Jofa helmet case. with yeah. the huge cage. I'd never seen a cage like that before <laughs> in my life. And I don't think anybody in North America had either. What's the backstory on that combo? No, but I had it from the get-go in Sweden. So I never used the mask because it, for me it was too claustrophobic. And so I grew up with that mask when I started, uh, yeah, in being an, an adult. So, uh, but it was butt ugly. And I know all the players that were laughing at me at the other team. And I, I remember that they call it the bird cage because yeah. it was like, like big. And, uh, but I, I, for me, I saw the puck better. See, like, yeah. And uh, when I, I tried to use a mask like once in a while on practice, but I couldn't see the puck good. And I was scared also because, because uh, the, what do you call it? The shield for the neck. The dangler. No, not the neck. The, the, yeah, the dangler. And, uh, yeah, I, I like that on my Jofa combo. I mean, it was so big. That's the thing. We'd seen cages before. And take Dominic Hasek, for instance. It was kind yeah. of a normal straight cage that ended at his chin but yours was huge you know it, yeah, it looked no. like it looked like a barbecue grill that we hadn't seen something that <laughs> big before <laughs> yeah so so the other team would probably give it to you non-stop in the game yeah they were laughing like you know i saw it on like on the pre-game skate in the morning but uh for me i couldn't care less i liked it and uh, nowadays these days on uh, facebook i get a lot of uh proposals if i have extra of these because now I'm in some of groups on uh, Facebook that, uh, how do you say, uh, old school hockey and stuff like that. Vintage, yeah. Vintage, yeah. And uh, so now uh, they pay big bucks if they could get, get them from Sweden because they're pretty tough to get. Tommy, you're a folk hero. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. No, I don't think so. But uh, well, the, they the like my thing, equipment. The other thing that you had was you didn't use tape on the blade of your stick. Yeah. Well, it was why? because the, the it, it was because the stick glide better on the ice, and I was no good the passer or shooter with my stick, so I figured like what the heck, uh, just uh, do it without tape. Did you play your whole career without tape on the blade? No, no, I didn't. Uh, but I don't know if I had it when I come over or if it was after. I don't remember. So you weren't worried, very worried about making passes. No, I didn't. I was so bad on passes. So I was like a shame when it comes to that. But uh, it was okay, like in the zone or stuff. But uh, never more. I couldn't get the puck up to the uh, plexiglass. So, uh, yeah, I was no hextile. I can tell you that. When you were younger, you had an incredibly colorful set of heat and gear, I think with your garden. Yeah. And then when you got the older. You... Cup. Yeah, right. I mean, it was yellow, blue, red. But when you got older, you switched to all white equipment. Was that on purpose? No, I don't know why, actually. I love my uh, color, the, the, like, like you said, with the Swedish team and the Canada Cup 91. I thought it was really beautiful. 
but then I changed to white, but uh, I don't know the story uh, behind it. So I'm sorry about that, but uh, that's the way. Uh, I don't know if they didn't do it over to Canada or uh, NHL, I don't know, but uh, I liked the white after that. So it was, uh, it was okay though. Lots more to come with Tommy Soderstrom. But first, a word from sponsor Hico Sticks. You like playing catch? Of course, we all do. Well, here's a way that you can improve your hand-eye coordination, reaction speed, and overall cognitive development by using Hico Sticks. It stands for Hand-Eye Coordination Sticks. In 2020, it was named the best coordination tool by Men's Health Magazine, certified non-toxic, EVA foam construction, super lightweight. They even float. You can use them at the pool, at the beach, tons of fun. Listen, I use them to help my goaltending. They can help tennis players, baseball players. My daughters love to just throw it back and forth to one another in the backyard. Each leg of the Hico sticks, there's three of them, has a different color. So when you toss it, you call out a color, you can say which hand to catch it with, and the person receiving has to process that information while it's in the air. It's a great tool for hand-eye coordination. If you go to hecosticks.com, use the promo code 60MM56, that'll get you 10% off at checkout. Hecosticks.com. I've always wondered this about Europeans. All the gear is made in North America, or at least it used to be back then. So when you would go to order heat and equipment in 1990, what was the process to do that? It was, uh, I'm not really exactly know the process, but it, it, I remember uh, they asked me, the guy who had an agent for Heaton in Sweden, he said like, yeah, do you want to go with the uh, Heaton gears? And the spoiler, uh, they had a spoiler on the front. Yep. And I said, yeah, why not? And uh, so I, they just gave me a set of uh, pads and gloves and all that stuff. So, and I liked Heaton, they were really nice. Was there anything special about the pads that you had? Were they pretty much off the shelf or did you really customize all your equipment? I think it was just off the shelf, I guess. I, I, I had pretty short, I don't know if I had 29s or 30s. Really? Uh, like Tommy, yeah. do you know what size pads we're wearing nowadays? Uh, 45s. Well, <laughs> no, that was Garth Snow. <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay. The max was 38 inches for a while. Everybody was at that. Oh, and then they made all the sizing yeah. according to our bodies. So most people now are in pads somewhere between 35 to 36 inches or so. It's pretty normal okay. in the NHL. Yeah. Okay, let's see. If one inch is three centimeters. Two, yeah, okay, yeah. The conversion. Yeah, I couldn't, if I had that, I couldn't move if I had these long pads. But uh, yeah. So you like the short thigh rise just for maneuverability. It was easier to get around the crease in them? Yeah. Yes, of course. I guess my my Kelly Rudy pads. I guess he had pretty short pads also. I yeah. don't know which size, but they look pretty small. Were your knees exposed? Did you have knee guards? Actually, for a while I didn't wear any knee guards because I thought they were they were uh, too thick in the pads, and I had usually. I had my pads pretty soft, uh, strangled to my legs. And uh, so I was out for a while. I don't know if I ended my career with uh, knee pads or not, but I'm sure in NHL, I didn't have, have them. So. Uh, Is there anything worse than taking one off the knee like that? It's crippling. Oh, I, I hated that. It was so hurting. But you shall never go down that way. So, uh, because I always did my, uh, we call it threat jack. I don't know uh, when you go down and do a save uh, the way I used to do it. 
but once in a while you you're uh, I did wrong so I get hit on my knees but uh, it's you a tough not, game you were not what I would it. call a butterfly goaltender at all no, you know that no. didn't come in until later what was the what was the foundation of your game uh what do you mean foundation like how did you like to play the game did you prefer to stay on your skates to to move into shots that way way out of your crease deep in your crease you know what really did you find the most success with when you played yeah because i was a small goalie uh i always uh took help from the from the bar in the middle of the goal back I you saw know, you I used to always, rest on that. Yeah. Yeah. I was always back in my net. Uh, and that was because I had my spine on the, what do you say? On the, yeah, on the bar in the, in the back. So I, when I go out from the net, I know I'm in the middle of the goal. And uh, my, my style was to go out far and then just back, backwards with the shooter. To have so, backward uh, flow as they were coming at you. Yeah, and I loved that when it was like a breakaway. Uh, and I thought I was pretty good on breakaways because I could read uh, and I was pretty quick. Uh, but, uh, and I like to stand on my, on my skates. So You have to be a confident skater to do that. And I, yeah. I always felt like breakaways, I like to play out with a lot of flow like you just described because I wanted the shooter to go around me. You know, yeah. I didn't want okay. them to see any net and have an opportunity to beat me with a shot. Because I yeah. knew if I had flow and I was skating that I could get to the post and that was going to yeah. give me a chance to make the save on it. Yeah. Yeah, I see what you mean. And the, the thing is, like, it was lucky for me that I played in the 90s because if I come up now, I, I wouldn't have a car uh, career at all because I'm, you can be small, but my style is dead now. You, you don't see any goalie who's standing up now. Everybody's butterfly all the time. Yeah. So, uh, like I used to say, like back in the 90s, the goalies did uh, make the save. Now it's more the puck come to the goalie uh, because we were so small in the net. We needed to, uh, to make the save on a different way. Do you see what I mean? Yeah, for sure. Do you still like watching hockey? And like, do you still appreciate what the goalies are doing today's game? The goalies are so good today and they're in good shape. Uh, the only thing I don't really like uh, these days is more like pretty much all the goalies look the same. Uh, because There's not much personality, this, is there? They have the same style pretty much. And before, in the 90s, you, 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 you didn't need to see the head on, on the goalie. You just saw on the pads which goalie it was. You see, you know what I mean? If I saw it on TV or whatever, now, now the goalies look pretty much the same. Yeah, and that's not bad, though, because there's so much, their stats are so much better than uh, I have, but uh, it's a different game for a goalie today, I guess. And the goalies are pretty, they're like, uh, I don't know what I was in uh, inches, but I was like 175 seven yeah. uh, centimeters now Five, ten like, or so. yeah now they're like 20 centimeters bigger than i was and they yeah. cover so much more net these days uh, so but they shoot much harder now also so it's uh, it's it's a completely different game for golden i think yeah. i don't know what do you think Totally agree with you. I mean, from the time yeah. i started playing i bet you're the same way i can still do a skate save i'm 37 years old but okay. if you put 20 pucks at the blue line 
I can turn yeah. my skate out, put those pucks in the corner. I didn't make a skate save past the age of probably 12. Okay. Yeah, but I can yeah. still do them. I mean, that was the yeah. amount of change in the game from when I started. Stand yeah. up, stand up, stand up. And then we started to go down and make saves. And then we yeah. realized what leg to recover with. And now we have things yeah. called post integrations. Like there's just, there's so much now that goalies have to mentally process that if they don't have coaching at a young age, okay. like they're in trouble. And it's, it's actually yeah. sad though, because it's kind of taken that free form feeling out of the game for goalies, if that makes sense. Yeah. I think the goalies these days, they, they go much on like, what do you say? Percentage. Yeah. Right. Uh, like if I do this in this angle, I'm going to like nine out of 10, I'm going to save or whatever. But what happened with the slide? Do you call it sliding in America? Do you know what I mean? It, I, uh, the slide, sliding save, like when you put your whole body, like the yeah, two pad stack. Yeah. You're talking like, about the two pad uh, Tommy, stack, Tommy. Like Tommy Salo did 94 yeah. uh, in the penalty shot against Car Korea. Yep. Have you seen that one? Absolutely. I remember it. He, yeah, he came and it was on the slide, breakaway yeah. with the two pad stack like that. Yeah. Yeah. I did. I did. I, well, that's one of my most famous saves at the NHL. I don't have many of those, but two yeah. seasons ago, I had one in overtime against the Boston Bruins. So that's my claim oh, nice. to fame as a two pad stack. Cool. The, yeah. the vintage goalie in me dug deep to yeah. make that save. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it is. And I love that save, but it doesn't work this way these days pretty much, I guess. But, uh, was it a shock after two seasons in Philadelphia to be traded to Long Island? Uh, yeah, it was actually, but uh, I could see it coming because my first year I had a really good season after my uh, heart operations, but uh, and then I signed a new contract for four years, and uh, then my second year, the sophomore year, I was so bad. I don't know what my stats are. Are they four? goals against or something i don't know and 86 or uh, so i was terrible the second season so i figured that it could happen but uh, i was still in shock because it was during training camp yeah but uh, that's the way that's the way it is uh, in the in the business so do you think you just lost confidence my second year uh, i don't think so <clears throat> maybe it was more that i was like so happy with my first year and then uh, i get back then it was a big contract for me uh, signing four years so i figured maybe i was a little too what do you say full in my stomach yeah can you're you a little that? full you of yourself I mean? right your ego was high you thought hey yeah, so, i can do this it's no problem yeah and then i couldn't stop a beach ball that that season <laughs> so so it was terrible but um yeah that's the way it works. Kevin Deneen said that you are the most relaxed goalie that he ever played with. Yeah, yeah, I can, I can see that, yeah. Well, you get to Long Island, and before we started getting on air today, you were talking about how playing with Jamie McLennan, it was really high-strung. Like, he was complete yeah. opposite of you. What were your thoughts when you met Jamie and how he prepared for games? Yeah, he was, like, uh, prepared for the games before the morning skate, the – uh, the uh, same day uh, the game was. So I, I was like, okay, how is he gonna hold 82 games if he's gonna, if he gonna, what do you say, uh, so much energy so early on on the day? But um, that's the way he he was, and uh, I was the opposite. So uh, whatever works for for itself for uh, him and for me, it was good. So 
Jamie mentioned that you guys were roommates once, and that's when he found out how much you loved the stock market because oh, you woke okay. up early at three in the morning so you could get on the stock market in Sweden. And Jamie's sitting there and he he's not sure because it was in Swedish, but thinking that you're going, buy, 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 sell, sell, sell. <laughs> uh, Had you been into the stock market for a while? Yeah, I've been like since I was like uh, 16, 17. So for me, it was like, uh, yeah, it was like a daily routine. But back then I was like buying and uh, selling stocks. But now these days I'm just uh, holding it. So. And I figured out uh, pretty early that I, that was the best way to buy good stocks and just run with them and uh, buy more when it dips. So, uh, well, Tommy, we could talk that's about what this I all today. day, man. I've got a degree in economics, the Warren Buffett way, find good companies, hold on to them. What you described yeah. when you were younger was really gambling, right? When yeah, you're just it was. buying, selling. But that seemed to go with your personality. Several old teammates said that you were like a professional roulette player. And that you had yeah. this system that you thought could beat the house. Can you clue us into what that might have been? Yeah, you 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 have done a good research. I hear, hear that. Uh, yeah, I love uh, I love like uh, statistics and stuff. So I thought I had uh, good systems on roulette. And uh, when I played in Philly, I went down to uh, Atlantic City once in a while. But my systems uh, need you to sit at the table like for five, six, seven hours. And uh, I, I had tried them, but not for long enough to see if it works. Because for me, the stock market, it's much more fun and uh, generate much more money. So, uh, so I never really tried it full out. But uh, I think if I did, it should work. But uh, you never know. When did the nickname Tommy the Gambler come? Uh, I don't know, actually. Maybe some of them called me that, but uh, yeah, it's a long time. I maybe forgot it. We are rolling right along with Tommy Soderstrom. But first, I want to talk to you about Skin Effects Wraps, designed and produced by Mark Magnanti, based out of Rochester, New York. Small company, American company, professional vinyl wrapping, specializing in goalie masks. If you want a quick, affordable way to make your mask look good, I cannot recommend Mark enough at Skin Effects Wraps. He did a fantastic job for me this year when I was in a bit of a pinch. I had an old mask that just didn't look good when I would occasionally be on the ice practicing with the Vegas Golden Knights. So Mark helped me out, made it look great. The turnaround time was outstanding. You wouldn't even hardly tell that it wasn't traditional paint. The wrap looks so good on the mask. So if you're looking for something, again, quick, affordable way to get your mask looking good, looking right for the team that you're on, hit up Skin Effects Wraps on Facebook, Instagram, or send Mark an email at skinfxwraps at gmail.com. Thanks to them for helping me out, and thanks for supporting Six Degrees with Mike McKenna. Those years in the in Long Island must have been pretty wild. You know that team wasn't great. Mike Milbury was the coach. Uh, was he nice to his goaltenders? Did he treat you well? Yeah, yeah I, I don't think he was really bad. I remember he like when I when I get traded, it was like uh, the lockout season ninety four, ninety four ninety five. So I come there on training camp and then maybe a couple of days later, it was the lockouts. I went back to Sweden and then I come back in, in January. And then uh, Jamie McLennan was uh, the number one goalie. But then I started to uh, play pretty good then. And we had, uh, what's his name? 94, 95. Uh, what's the name of the coach? Fuck, I should know that. Sorry. Lauren uh, Henning. 
Lorne Henning, yes, thank you very much. He was such a nice guy. So then after like, I started to play a lot more. And then uh, at the end, I played more than Jamie that season. And then I flew back to Sweden after the season, say it was, was like a Tuesday. Lorne Henning called me in Tuesday morning. And I said, yeah, Tommy, next year you're going to start like a goal, uh, starting goalie. Uh, I believe in you, so just be in good shape and come back ready. And I said, yeah, that's nice to hear. Thank you very much. Sounds good. Fly back Tuesday night, buy a newspaper when I come to Stockholm, uh, Wednesday morning, and I see in the paper, Lorne Henning fired. <laughs> Can you believe it? But like I said, if I was good enough, it shouldn't, uh, it shouldn't uh, matter. But you know how it is for a goaltender. If you have the coach... Uh, uh, confidence uh, yep. it's much easier to be a goaltender yep. so then we we got Milbury and we get the letter uh, homes uh, sent home that summer that uh, training camp is not going to be like anyone before so be prepared be, be, be prepared and then I come over and yeah he was a nice guy he was uh, he was a little crazy but uh <laughs> Yeah. What what did he do that was crazy? When you say that somebody's crazy, there has to be something that you remember that tips you off to thinking that. Yeah, but he, he could uh, he could scream a lot, but I guess a lot of coaches could. But the coach I had before, like uh, like you said, uh, Denine and Henning, they were more like uh, calm guys. But I remember one time we have lost a couple of games. <clears throat> we went out to practice and... Uh, he said when we come out, the whole team, like, take off your jerseys. And everybody was looking. So, okay, uh, what is he, he going to do now? And then he had, like, a lexicon in his hand. And he said, A, attitude. Also, and then he said what it meant. And he said, you guys have no fucking attitude. And then he whistled. And then it was like the idiot. Is that how you call it? It was just pure skating, skating back, back skating. And forth. Yeah, back yep. and forth, back and forth. And then it was like B, uh, whatever it was on B, and then it was on C, and then it was on D. And we couldn't, we didn't have anything to drink either. So we take snow from the ice. Come on. Yeah. You're, you're eating ice off, the, you're eating yeah. snow off the ice. To, yes, yes. <laughs> to get dehydrated. And then I, I, don't, I don't know how far he went on the on the ladders, but uh, after maybe an hour, an hour and 15, he uh, blew the whistle and then he went off the ice, pissed off like hell. That's so, wild. Uh, yeah. Wow. But I got back without I, water in junior, but no, I wasn't eating snow. <laughs> but after an hour, you know, or 30 minutes, it's, uh, yeah. Maybe he should have asshole on the A instead. You know what I mean? <laughs> For him, that practice. <laughs> the, you know, you've got YouTube highlights out there. One of them is you taking that slap shot to the face. Another one, unfortunately, is your fight with Corey Schwab. This is in 1995. Wow. There's a big scrum. And from what I can tell you, you go in to help a teammate out to just kind of pull him out of the pile. Next thing you know, Schwab's on top of you. What are your memories from that? Yeah, I know Darius Kasparaitis, he was hurt in my zone. And... The fight start, so they were like five against four. So I just holding a guy in his pants from behind. It was like nothing. And then uh, I didn't see him coming, Corey Swab, from the other end. And uh, 
he just took off my helmet and I, you know, I had the glove on, my left right. glove. Uh, so he started to punch me in the face. But the thing was, I always been uh, dreaming to be in a fight in NHL or in Sweden. So, and my only thing I was thinking about was that, that uh, don't go down on ice like a sissy and protect yourself <laughs> with, uh, with the head. Don't so turtle. Standing up, no yeah, turtling turtling, allowed. Yeah. So I was like uh, standing up all the time, but I got hit a couple of times and then I needed to sew uh, maybe six or seven stitches. And um, so, but I survived. But the, the bad thing with that was we're going to play Philly the next day. So we're going to go to Philly after the game because it was an afternoon game. Saturday against New Jersey, and I'm gonna meet a girl there, uh, and uh, like I know, but we, we hadn't hooked up before. But I was so pissed, and my my eye looked like uh, gonna game against Tyson, so I uh, canceled that date, and then we never <laughs> saw each other after that. So that that was the the sad thing with the uh, with the boxing against Corey Swab. Oh, it could have been like Slapshot where you showed up for the date and you had a black eye and you had stitches. Maybe she would have thought that was awesome. Yeah. You never uh, know. Yeah, but I was like, uh, yeah, it was hurting and then I was uh, tired after the game. So, but, uh, <laughs> was, it, was it interesting to have another Swedish goalie partner? I mean, you and Tommy Salo played together for a little bit and there weren't a lot of Swedish goalies in the league at the time. So was that yeah, kind of no. unique? Yeah. Yeah, it was pretty special. And... Uh, he was up my first year, no, my second year in in uh, on on Islanders, and then he was down a little and stuff like that. But then the, my last year, he was up, and I was in the farm team, and uh, yeah, we had pretty fun, but we weren't really that good, and none of us. So we had Bob Froze, a lovely guy. He's a priest now, really, and uh, or something with the church. And he, I remember he come in after, I think Sala got pulled and I got in, but I didn't play better. So he come in to the locker room and he was screaming at us. And he was not that kind of guy. Uh, so uh, I was so surprised. <laughs> so I, I said to him like, do I, do, do, we look like, do I look like a dog? And he was, he was like, what do you mean? Yeah, you're screaming at us. And uh, he, he started to laugh then, but uh, yeah. He was a good. Uh, he was a good guy, either way. So, how did you decide it was time to head back to Sweden? Uh, my last year, he told me. Uh, let's see, Milbury told me during the training camp that they're gonna go with Salo and Eric Fischer. So I just sit there and wait. Uh, they didn't. I was not in one preseason game at all. So I just practice when they go on the road, and uh, I practice home with a couple of the guys. And uh, then he decided that he's going to send me down. And so I hope that he's going to gonna buy me out. But he didn't want to do that because I had a one-way one contract. So he said, I know you can play in NHL, but uh, we don't know how this guy is going to do the first year. So we're going to keep you for that. So they sent me to uh, Salt Lake City. So I was there for a couple of months and then... Uh, I know after that that my season's going to be over and after my contract is going to end I know I'm going to go back to my Swedish team in uh, in uh, Stockholm. So I, I was just waiting my last season was terrible 
And then they uh, borrow me out to uh, Rochester for a couple of games mm -hmm. for, yeah. for their entire season. But before that, I had said to them that I guess after the season, I'm going to go back uh, as, as soon as the season ended. And uh, so that's after that, after I told them that, they just let me go to Rochester. And uh, I think Rochester paid big bucks for me uh, to keep them through the playoffs. And I told them the same thing, that I'm just going to go back when the season is over. So they get so pissed at Milbury because he hadn't told them that. So <laughs> after that, they, I was there for two games. And uh, then uh, they called my agent and then they bought me out uh, for the last two months or something like that. Going back to Sweden, did you plan on playing a couple more years in retiring or was it open-ended? Uh, no, I wanted to play when I come back. So yeah. when I come back to Sweden, I signed a five-year deal with uh, my old team. And uh, I loved it, yeah, especially my first year. Uh, we went to the finals, but we, we lost the finals in the... It was just best of five then. So we lost that game, the fifth game at home in overtime. So it was a tough one. But uh, after that year, uh, uh, I got voted uh, MVP from the league. And it was like the players who did it. So it was a really, really honorable prize to get. But after that year, uh, then I, I lost passion. I don't know what it was. If it was the stock market or if it was uh, anything else. But... Uh, so my last two seasons, it was, yeah, see and so. But, so I quit actually when it was uh, two years left on my contract. So I woke wow. up to the general manager and I said, hey, you have won, uh, you have won on uh, Lotto now? And he said, what do you mean? Yeah, I'm going to quit. So you don't need to pay me for two more years. So you can use that money to other guys. <laughs> did, did it feel good to leave on your terms? Like even though your passion was dead for the game, like you still yeah. walked away the way you wanted to. Did you feel like you had any unfinished business left? No. Right then and there and then, it was the best decision for me. If I could, I would have quit uh, in the middle of the season. I was so fed up with hockey. And I, uh, during the games, I was thinking about other stuff. And so uh, for me, I was over and done. So half the season, I was just on the bench, like from maybe from Christmas to April. I may um, maybe played two or three games or something like that. So, Did you know you were going to go right into day trading when you were done playing? Yeah, or the stock market. Right. Uh, back then, I had quit uh, pretty much day trading. I was just in it for the long run. It probably helped to already have your career path somewhat laid out in front of you to be able to walk away from hockey, though. Yeah, that was nice. Of course, of course. It's uh, there's a lot of guys that worst. don't have that man. Like they don't know what to do when they retire. Yeah, yeah. I can, I can. I think that's pretty much sad because I know it's it's that for a lot of guys. But for me, it was one of my best days in life to say that. Hey, I'm quit now. I can do whatever I want. I have no time to. Uh, uh, I need to be somewhere, or you know, yeah, you know how it is. Games after games after games, and. Uh, I loved it to just be free, like a free bird. And I haven't done anything <laughs> since. So for me, it's, uh, it's a, it was a right decision, decision then. But if, if I see it now, I could see like, why didn't I fight a little more when I was in US? Uh, why didn't I fight a little more when I, uh, my last year in Sweden? 
but like I used to say, it's like there and then it felt like the best, like my the right choice, the right decision. So I don't uh, regret anything, but uh, I quit when I was 30, so I was pretty, pretty young. You made the return to competitive athletics late in life as a reality TV star. What can you tell me about this show that you did on TV in Sweden, The Champion of Champions? I can't pronounce it in Swedish. If you want to, go right ahead. Yeah. yeah. What was the deal with this show? No, they have, have it every year. And they usually they're like 12 people who has won something. It's like the Olympics or it's a world championship or yeah, whatever. And it's different sports. Uh, like could be swimming, could be soccer, could be yeah, tennis or whatever. So uh, they asked me after maybe it was the, like the fourth season or something like that, if I wanted to be on the show. And it's really, really popular show in Sweden. And I know they have the same show in other countries in Europe with uh, their own countrymen. And uh, so I was there for, uh, it was like two weeks or something like that. And then uh, I went to the final and I come in second place. And you do different stuff. You do like climbing in the mountains and yeah, yeah, different stuff. And it was fun to 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 meet other people in other sports. And uh, it was a it was a great uh, great uh, experience. I saw a picture recently of you in your old equipment playing street hockey. Yeah, is that something yeah, you true. make a habit of? No, it was like my neighbor where I live, their kids, uh, they have a, uh, a, a net and then they were out on the street. And they, I think this was like a Sunday. And they always been asking me, Tommy, can we be shooting on you, blah, blah, blah. But I have my stuff on my, uh, under the roof. Uh, in the attic. Uh, in the attic, yeah. And I'm like, oh, fuck, I need to take it down from there. Because I, I usually never on ice either. Uh, I might be on ice like since I quit maybe 15 times and um, I say okay what the heck so I took them down and I put it on and you had the birdcage uh, too yeah the birdcage and I had a national team sweater and uh, and then the one of the parents asked me if they could uh, put it on Facebook and I said yeah what the heck no problem for me and then I asked them like can you send it to me also uh, because I ne usually never post anything on uh, Facebook, pretty rarely. And uh, I put it out and a lot of people thought it was fun and it was a good thing to do and stuff like that. So, and, but then it was one guy who said like, how can you play with your hockey stuff on the street? You're gonna get, get destroyed. And I said, yeah, take it easy. It was, it was <laughs> for like 30 minutes. Yeah, and you live the dream in the NHL. You can do whatever you want with your gear. You don't need somebody yeah, else telling you otherwise. <laughs> yeah, that's no, actually no. kind of what inspired me to get in touch with you is just looking back and seeing that. And it looked like such a fun moment. And to see that vintage gear, it, it rekindled a lot of memories for me as a kid and seeing you at the Flyers and Islanders. And This has just been really cool, man, to find out more about yeah. you, to get to talk for a little bit. I really, really appreciate you spending some time with me today. Yeah, thank you. The same to be that you uh, would like to have me on the show. I was uh, really uh, flattered when uh, when uh, you asked me. So, thank you very much. If you enjoy Six Degrees, please subscribe and rate in iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to all your podcasts. If you're interested in advertising on Six Degrees with Mike McKenna, 
please contact Believe at BLEAV.com. As always, you can find me, Mike McKenna, on all the socials at Mike McKenna56. I'm also available for online goalie coaching. If you want to find out more about that, head to 44visionhockey.com, fill out an application, and we'll set up an introductory Zoom meeting. Thanks for listening to Six Degrees with Mike McKenna. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.